podcast, Happiness. I'm your host, Joseph Anderson. And today I have the privilege of interviewing Case Kenny. You know, you can find myself on Instagram at the It's Possible Guy. You can find our podcast on Instagram at Happy and Single. But like I said, today I have the privilege of interviewing Case Kenny. If any of you guys know Case, you guys know he's got a He's built a massive following through a lot of hard work and, and puts up a lot of really cool stuff. Sometimes people rip off this stuff, but if you ever see a note written in marker, it's usually his, no matter who <laughs> pretends that says it's theirs. I always find that funny when I see other people that are like, they post this funny quote and it's actually, and it's actually cases. <laughs> and they're like, and then all of his followers are like, hey, you stole this, you stole this, you stole this. And sometimes the, inf- the other, the person that did is like crickets, <laughs> but I'm going to let Case go ahead and introduce himself. Right on, man. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. That's a funny thing. It's like, I feel like I- I've stopped trying to police the internet of being like, that's mine. Give me credit. Like I, I, don't, I don't care anymore. It's like whatever I have at it, but it's like, I feel bad for those people sometimes because my followers are so great. They'll, they'll get in their face. They'll be like, They'll, they'll call them out. It's like, man, like, whoo, wouldn't want to be on their bad side. So, uh, they, they keep me honest for sure. But, uh, yeah, man, thank you for having me here. I mean, by way of intro names, case Kenny, I live in Chicago. I mean, what I do by trade is I'm a podcaster and writer. It's taken a lot of different forms in that I focus on mindfulness. I talk about dating. I talk about mindfulness. I talk about living a compassionate, self-loving, self-healing, self-care life. And uh, I bring it to life on the podcast and my writing in journals that I've created on Instagram. I've kind of become known as the, the kind of the guy who writes these quotes specifically here in Chicago. I spread them throughout the city. I like to write on coffee cups. I drink a lot of coffee. So I figured I could write some quotes there. And uh, yeah, just that, you know, I'm very passionate and, and driven about the subject of mindfulness and talk about it in a lot of different areas, life, career, personal dating, everything in between. But um, yeah, I'm privileged to be able to, to do it. Be a guy who makes a living from uh, sharing quotes and thoughts and uh, things like that. So I, uh, I'm very grateful to be in the position I'm in. Well, dude, in case, I'm kind of curious, what, what led you down this road? You know, I know for me, it just was so many years of being like, because you talk with a lot of single people as well. And for me, it was just so many years of being single. And then I just got frustrated because... You know, I wasn't, I couldn't find, I just, there wasn't that connection with, you know, any girl, at least both ways. And so I was just miserable for so long because I thought I had to be married in order to be happy. And then I had an awesome mentor, his name's Michael Neal, that helped me understand that, hey, like, you're, it was just the thought that I had to be married in order to be happy. And then I it really did. It like kind of opened the lid off for me. It really let me find happiness in just where I was. Cause, you know, so many people like, and, and now some people tell me, oh, dude, you're way, you're way too happy to be single. Like you need to be married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of led you down your road, man? Yeah. Well, I love that for one. Cause I mean, what you just described is literally the application of mindfulness. All mindfulness is, is self-awareness. And it sounded like you had a, a catalyst that made you realize that, you know, you're fully capable of being happy and healthy, single or in a relationship, whatever it may be. And I think a lot of that comes down to just radical honesty with yourself. A lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, times when we're not happy single, it's because we genuinely believe that we're not because of the pressure that we've borrowed from other people and assumptions and and things like that. So, I mean, my story is, is similar in a sense, just, you know, in my twenties, 
you know, just living a great life. Um, but kind of realizing that it was kind of not by my design, but more so by design of what I assumed was the right way to live life. Uh, very, very much, you know, I, the turning point for me is when I started the podcast, when I was 29, um, was in a long-term relationship, that relationship ended, hopped out. And I was like, who is case? Like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? I was also very, very focused on my job at the time. It's like, what are these aspects of my life? Like, obviously they're important, but is this my design? Is this the blueprint I've created for myself? So I just kind of hopped out and I was like, who is case? I really want to find a way to figure that out in, in an honest way. So I started the podcast in that sense. And um, from there, it's like the podcast has become my own form of therapy, talking, talking about these topics, thinking about these topics critically and sharing them with people um, and observing response and listening to people and their stories has been so great. It's, you know, it's always funny because I don't have formal training in mindfulness or psychology or sociology or anything like that. It's just a regular guy. And I'm very upfront with that. I kind of cringe when people call me an expert or a guru or a life coach or anything like that, because I don't feel on that. I'm just a guy who's sharing his observations from his life. And uh, it's been great. It's been rewarding. I think the whole process has made me realize that, you know, everyone has been given some kind of gift in life. I really believe that. And uh, the gift that I think I've been giving is given is the ability to simplify complex topics. What more complex of a topic is there than life, than happiness, than confidence, than self-esteem, than compassion, than honesty, those kinds of things. And I've just found I have a knack at tapping into my own life, which I've developed since my late 20s, just this ability to just be so at peace with myself and the decisions I'm making, and then turn around and share those with other people and have people enjoy it. That's a gift. And it's a privilege. And being able to do it is, is where I've just gained so much momentum for myself and my life and what makes me happy. It's been so great. But I'd say to answer your question succinctly, it all, you know, kind of stemmed from that kind of turning point, 28, 29, being like, I want to design my own life. I want to make decisions that are right for me and stop borrowing other people's whys and come up with my own why. Um, all of that, I would say, led me to be doing this. That's, yeah, it's really cool, man. When, when you talk about gifts, like I was thinking, do you know who Steve Harvey is? Yeah, yeah. So, so Steve Harvey has this really cool video called Jump that I'm guessing you've probably seen. Probably. Sounds so it's, it's the one he talks about jump and he actually quotes, there's a particular scripture that he quotes that basically says how the world will like make room for your gift. Like, and the, and the more we steer towards our gift, because I think so many people, they're not just like, there's somebody once said when I said happy and single, they're like, oh, like I, I, I want to be anything happy. Like, it doesn't matter where I'm at in my life. I just want to be happy because, you know, everybody thinks that they can't be happy because insert, you know, single, insert. Yep. Um, broken, widowed, insert, you know, my life, my life was horrible or somebody picked on me when I was five or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and I've really found like the more we steer into our gifts, like you're talking about, the more our lives just work. And, and I think sometimes we even like resist because we're like, no, this is not my path. You know, and I don't know if you experienced that at all, but my parents tried I've experienced all of that. I love that because it's so true, man. And I think about like, I mean, my life has changed drastically since I turned 29, 30. I'm 33 now. Everything has changed. And it all changed since I was like, I am going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tap into this gift that I've been given. And I look back, I held myself back for a long time. I'm probably still holding myself back in a, in a bit of a way. I feel um, um, imposter syndrome, just like everyone else. 
And I think I, I look back and think about the times where I didn't want to share my gift. I didn't want to share a quote. I didn't want to share a podcast. It was because I was afraid of being judged. I think about my own self. Like I used to think I used to, you know, be like, oh, that's cliche. That's cheesy. And it's like, I've just realized that cheesy things, cliche things are so powerful and so true. I am no longer afraid to, to, to say them and do them and write them. And like, that has really set me free. And the world has absolutely made room for that in a big way, like in a bigger way than I ever thought it was possible just by, by doing what I'm doing. So I've absolutely experienced that. Well, yeah, I mean, the imposter syndrome, it's interesting because no matter who you are, it, like I've, I've heard, you know, it doesn't matter how quote unquote high up in the world somebody is, everybody has that to some, some sense, you know, and I think of the quote from Vincent Van Gogh that, you know, he basically said, he's like, hey, if you think you're not a painter, just go paint. Or if a voice tells you that you're not a painter, go paint and the voice will be silenced, right? It's really hard to be doing the thing. And your voice and the voice inside to be telling me, no, we can't do this. You know what I mean? It's like I when do. you're already, when you're actively engaged, it's like, okay, well, I'm already in, I'm already doing this thing. So, you know. Yeah. That's why I never liked the word aspiring. Like a lot of people are like, I'm an aspiring actor. I'm an aspiring musician. I'm an aspiring painter. It's like, once you do it, you're no longer aspiring. You're doing it. What's the difference between someone who, you know, acts full time and acts as a hobby? to me, other than the money, not nothing. You're both practicing the same thing. You're both passionate about the same thing. You're both bringing creativity to life in a certain way. So it's like, yeah, you can silence a lot by doing <laughs> like, that's my whole shtick on the podcast is, you know, action is the great equalizer. Of course you have imposter syndrome, which I do just like everyone else. I think the thing that's rooted me in what I'm doing is realizing how much I've done, what I'm doing, what I'm going to do. And that's like, that, that's it. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, it's easy to overthink inaction. It's also easy to overthink action as well. But when you have proof of what you're doing, it's much easier to quiet those voices, certainly. And in my life, all I got to look back at and look back at is 300 and some episodes, hundreds of thousands of followers, things that I've done and sold and all these different things. And not to like amp myself up and say I'm the best, but just as proof that I've done something, I've created something. There was input, there was output, there was zero. Now I'm at another level. Like that's the, that's the best thing. Action is, action is the, the greatest thing. That's why I always say, it's like, if you're ever in a spot where you're kind of in a cycle of overthinking, it's just do something like that is what, that is what enables you to escape. You know, dude, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Like one of the things I really teach people is just to listen to their, that inner voice that talks to all of us, that tells us what to do. But then more importantly, to act on, you know, like I had a client I was working with this morning and he's, he's in New York City and want, wanted to do something. And I'm, he's been talking about it for a long time. And I'm just like, OK, well, get, get off with me right now and go do it immediately. And they call me back because, you know, the point of our lives is to get engaged and like and it's amazing when we really just start something like, I, I mean, we started, you know, about a, oh, probably about a year ago, I had this idea for this, what's called the It's Possible Challenge. And it was simply just taking something every single week and picking something you'd always wanted to do and just doing it. Like, you know, I'd, I'd always wanted to draw the Simpsons characters. And so I, I didn't do it for an entire, well, I waited for like 15 years. And then finally, I drew hmm. like half of them in like less than 11 hours. And I'm not, and I wasn't a natural artist. Oh. 
Cool. And so, and so we finally brought the it's possible challenge back and I'm like, I, I play guitar, but like, you know, not like amazing, just I play. And I was like, I really want to learn sweet child of mine. Well, I sat down and just, you know, 21 minutes a day, like, this kind of just really occurred to me lately is 21 minutes a day adds up to over the course of a year, like 128 hours, which is kind of crazy when you That's think crazy. about it. Yeah. You know, like, you, and so when I would just, before when I did the It's Possible Challenge, it was like overwhelming because I'd wait till the very last day to do anything. And so I'd be up to like crazy hours in the morning. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I did some super cool stuff, like these really cool drawings of, Kind of like Simpsons and Batman style and other stuff like that, but it'd be like three in the morning when I when I would finish this. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, when I just put in you know the twenty one minutes a day, it makes it so much more doable because when it gets to the last day, it's not oh crap, I have to finish this and it's going to take hours. It's like oh cool, I've been working on this every day. And the thing I was going to say is, it's really cool like watching yourself practice like it's really cool seeing a video of you actually playing something so in less than three hours i learned the intro to sweet child of mine not quite up to full speed yet you play guitar any any musical instruments or anything uh yeah i mean i produce music but it's electronic but yeah i totally totally know it totally know it so i mean it's that like and even with your music it's just you show up and all of a sudden stuff comes up you know, so if somebody shows up every day and plays the guitar, it doesn't matter how bad they think they are. It doesn't matter how bad they think they might be. They're going to get better. It's impossible yeah. not to. I mean, as long as yeah. you actually practice, you're not holding it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that, dude. I mean, like, I actually, I just released an episode the other week on that very idea. It's like, we have this tendency in life to want to describe ourselves with adjectives, Right. Um, I am happy. I want to be happy. I am confident. I want to be confident. I want to be successful, right? Adjectives. And then inevitably, we're going to feel all the time that we're not that thing, right? It's like, if you make your goal, I, I want to be happy. I think it's a good goal, but it's tough because inevitably, you're, it's going to be up and down and up and down and you're going to get frustrated. You're going you're gonna to blame yourself. You're going to feel that you're falling behind when that's your North Star. I need to be successful. I need to be happy. I need to be confident. Well, in the many, many moments where you're not, we have this tendency to beat ourselves up. So my whole thing is describing yourself with verbs. And my whole thing is create a, create a, a, a syntax where it's, I am the kind of person who, and that is the description for yourself. So instead of saying, I am confident, you say, I am the kind of person who asks a question when I have a question. I am the kind of person who shoots his shot or, uh, you know, happiness. Uh, not, I want to be happy. It's, I'm the kind of person who practices gratitude every day. I'm the kind of person who does X, Y, Z. And I've just found that that remodeling is so powerful because it focuses on verbs. And then when you're like, well, man, I'm not happy today. You don't go to this abyss of overthinking. Instead, you'd be like, well, I'm not doing the verbs that I said I would be doing. I'm not doing, I'm not the kind of person who verb. And that's an easy fix. So like my whole thing with mindfulness is self-awareness that dictates action. And then when you know what those actions are, when you're not feeling the adjective that you want to feel, you turn to your actions and you realize what you're not doing. Like to me, it's like, the mo- it's so simple. It's so simple. And like, that's why I love <laughs> this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, with, with your thing that you're saying about verbs, like it's just about being present. Like so many people, they think that mindfulness is it's a, like a practice or it's like an hour practice a day, right? You know, they go to yoga or they go to whatever. Right. 
hundred percent. And then the rest of the day, they're going crazy. Right. Whereas we can be present in every single moment and our life is so much better. Our life is, I think the first book I ever read on mindfulness was 10% happier by uh, Dan Harris. Yeah. That was like the first one I ever read. I think it's, I mean, it's been so many years, but you know, it's just about like, he shares the example of, you know, being mindful of every single step that you're taking, you know, and I'm probably not to that level, but we can always like, just come back to come back to present. Yeah. Like anytime we're ever overwhelmed or whatever, it's just like, Oh, come back to present. You know, like, 100%. yeah. Yeah. Because you know, as, as an entrepreneur, like there's so much to do. There's so yeah. many different opportunities. It's like, Okay, I could post this, I could post that, I could focus on this, I could focus on this. And so today I was like thinking about what to do. And, and then I just took a moment and then the thing came that I'd already decided to kind of do earlier in the day. We just forget. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's all it is. I mean, being present isn't something that you only do at yoga, to your point, or you only do when you meditate. And it's like not even that complicated. Like, Mindfulness is being present. Yes. But a lot of people assume that being present means silence and you're calming your mind. Not necessarily because that's tough. We're busy people. So I say mindfulness is just honesty. It's self-honesty. It's when you're doing something, you know why you're doing it. Could be as simple as I'm hungry. Okay, cool. But at least you have a why. It's like, you know, um, whatever, anything. Like, why did I agree to go on the date with this person? You know, not just because that's, that's what you do, but because you want to, I always make the joke that you should only date people you like, which is an absurd comment because of course, but when you're not practicing honesty, when you're not practicing mindfulness, when you're not practicing self-awareness, we forget that step. No joke. Like, I'm not even kidding with that comment. So like, that's all it is. It's not, you know, all about having your crystals out at every day and, you know, doing a mantra. It's literally just about checking yourself and understanding and making sure that in every action you have a why behind it. I think life's a lot more simple when that's the case. Well, dude, it kind of along those lines that you're talking about, like only date people that you like. Like I, one of my things is telling people like, kind of like they taught us about drugs back in, back in grade school, just say no. Cause I think, I think so often, especially as we get a little bit older. So I'm, I'm 37, you know, you're 33. There's plenty of people that are like, you know, go, go out, go date, go. And you know, that we should go on a date with anyone. I think that's actually what kills off the fun of dating. It's like, if if dating becomes a chore, that's no good. Like, it's no fun at all. You know, like, I think we should feel kind of like we did back when we were like 16 or so. And it's just like, super, super excited, maybe a little bit nervous, but so excited to be able to go out with that person. If it's not there, just say no. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean... Yeah. I've never been a proponent of, you know, fill up your calendar with dates. Like I don't like, I think there's something to be said about pushing yourself in instances where you'd rather sit on the couch, but know that deep down inside you'd rather, you know, challenge yourself. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there, there should be some excitement. Like the comment about only dating people that you like is derived from the fact that sometimes when someone likes us or shows us attention, we just forget about our own self. We're like, Oh, Oh, they like me. Oh, this is, this is fantastic. And like, and we forget whether we like them. And obviously that that's an easy fix if you're honest with yourself, but a lot of times we're not. And we get, we get bumped on the head with all the advice of everyone online and seeing what other people are doing that we forget to take that step. So it's important. Well, 
And dude, I think just, I, I think even just naturally, like we have a desire to be with somebody. And so like, even sometimes that weighs on us and it's like, okay, I've, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. But, you know, going back to the mindfulness thing, when we get back to present, a lot of times the answer is just nothing. <laughs> like, don't, yeah. don't go on that date. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go on a date. And like, I just, like you can also go on the date. Like it doesn't matter. It's all about how you react to yourself before or after. Like before, if you're checking yourself and you're honest with yourself and you're like, I truly don't want to go on this date. Great. If you go on a date and it's not great. And afterwards you're beating yourself up. That's okay. But you go to a place of mindfulness and you, you understand what, what you got out of it, what you didn't get out of it, what you learned and your why moving forward. So, I mean, that's obviously a very glass half full mentality. I guess it's tough sometimes when people are going on date after date after date and they're not, they're not vibing, but I think uh, you practice it before or after, and you're going to be in much better shape than if, if not at all. And I think even before then, like you should have this connection with somebody. Like, do you, do you think that's it? Like, I, I know everybody's different, but at least for me, like I, I super connect with like a very small handful of people and everyone else. I just like, especially in relationships, I don't connect with hardly at all. Yeah. Do you find that at all? Uh, I, probably not. I would say my, my like standard for like a first date, for instance, is pretty low. Like it's not, not low in the sense that, you know, whatever it's low in the sense that I don't need a whole lot of rapport rapport to be willing to go on a first date. Usually it's attraction, a little bit of banter, understanding a little bit of what you represent. And that's fine. Cause like, at least I'm talking about online dating specifically, or even like meeting someone in person and, you know, at a bar or a pumpkin patch or whatever, and realizing that maybe you can go on a date. It's like, to me, it, it's really tough until you can sit down and have an honest conversation from someone at that point though. Um, I've grown to know what I need and what I don't need. So I can relate to that comment. Certainly. Well, so I'm curious, man, like what, what helps you case find happiness being single? What do, what do you do? I mean, especially because, yeah, like, what do you do to find happiness? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just a rewiring of, of understanding being single. It's like, if we didn't have the example of so many other people in social media and our parents and pressure, I don't think we'd be in a scenario without even a question because like we've grown to stigmatize being single. And I get it. Like, I get that inherently as you get older, you want a partner. Like, I get that. Like, loneliness is legit and it's real for sure. But a lot of times it's a stigma that we're straight up borrowing. We start to overthink. We think that we're at fault because we're 33 and single, 37 and single, 40 and single. Like, we borrow that insecurity and make it our own. The biggest thing for me is like, I'm big on like fast forwarding in time and looking back. And I think if you were to fast forward, go forward in time and then look back 20 years, from then and look back and be like, what do I regret in my life? I don't think being single is anywhere near the realm of possibility of being that thing that you regret. And I've done this exercise with my parents, my parents, parents, other older generations, no older generation ever says, man, I regret being single in my twenties, man. I regret being single in my thirties. No one ever says that because the things that you do regret, frankly, are the opposite, namely staying in a relationship for too long that you don't belong in being in a toxic relationship allowing yourself to be used by another person in a relationship. You, you don't regret being single. And I can go through all the cliches. I think being single is an incredible time to be selfish, to focus on yourself, to focus on your purpose, your passion, your creativity. I'm all for that. 
But ultimately, you know, uh, I think it comes down to just resetting our understanding of what it means to be single and then doing a bit of an exercise and realizing that with very few exceptions, I don't think you're ever going to actually regret being single. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> um, so that, honestly, that's how I do it. Just like a reframing. Well, I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking you like, if we didn't see everybody else do, like if it wasn't the thing to do, if it wasn't what somebody thought was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. then we probably would enjoy it a lot more. But it is. It's like you know, we get we get sick of the Christmases and Thanksgivings and everything else, where people are like, "Oh, you're here alone again." <laughs> That's I mean, nice. yeah, <laughs> those are small things, and we laugh at them. But like when we're on the receiving end of them, they weigh heavy. Like other people's words and comments, absolutely. Someone asking you, "How are you still single?" Even though they mean nothing by it, you get asked that enough. You're like, "Why am I single? Something's wrong with me." a comment from your parents of when are you going to get married? It weighs on you. Absolutely. So, you know, it's tough. It's easy for me to sit here and be like, just ignore everything. Obviously it's not going to happen. We're human. We're hardwired to allow that input to affect us, but you have an honest conversation like this. You like, you realize that a lot of that pressure is not our own and we don't genuinely believe it. And yeah, we could genuinely want partnership and we could genuinely be lonely. Absolutely. Legit actual feelings. I would never invalidate that. But ultimately, you know, the pressure you're putting on yourself to continue to beat yourself up, it likely isn't your own. And I think realizing that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, and you said the word basically adopt other people's beliefs almost. It's, it is. It's the words of everyone else around us because we check in with that place inside of us, that inner voice. And it's like, no, no, you're totally fine. And everyone else is like, no, no, but everyone else tells me I'm not fine. Like, yeah, I kind of call it the inner voice and then crazy leprechaun thinking, because it just gets in our head. It's actually from a Simpsons episode, if you watch Simpsons. And it's uh, this crazy, this leprechaun is like, Ralph, burn the house down, burn them all. So, you know, this crazy leprechaun voice just kind of tells us all this stuff that's basically the accumulation of what everyone else has told us. And the longer we sit with it, the more it messes with us. But we're simply just like, we, we, can, we can realize the difference between the inner, because the inner voice leaves us feeling peace and the crazy leprechaun voice just has us spinning out of our head. Yeah. And then we just kind of have to come back to this place of really mindfulness of being yeah. separate. You said it. I mean, that's what mindfulness is. It's learning to differentiate between the two, which is your voice, which is theirs. What is your truth? What is their truth? You figure that out. You've got the secret to life. <laughs> Seriously. I can't imagine a more powerful way to live your life than being able to differentiate literally. So, you know, I've got some of the understanding of that. I don't have it nearly all figured out. If anyone does, let me know. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, I love, I love how you just labeled that because I've, I've used the two voice thing for a long time, but I've actually never looked at that as mindfulness of just really understanding the two voices. I, I've, never, I've never looked at it like that, man. That's, that's yeah, really I mean, I think that's it. I mean, I think, yeah, because self-awareness is just honesty. I think when you're truly honest with yourself, you get to a point where like, where did this thought originate? And then you consider that for long enough and you can understand whether it was yours, whether it was something that you were pressured to come up with, whether it's completely someone else's, whatever it may be. Uh, not easy, certainly. This is all you know, very optimistic thinking, but I think you actually sit down and do these things. That's why I'm a big advocate for like journaling, things that force you to come up with an answer and write it. Sometimes it's, it's not nearly enough to sit and think. 
because it's easy to get distracted for one and it's easy to come up with a conclusion and then go about your day but you take time to sit down and write it down and make it real and look at it and stare at it and feel it it's like you know those those become real and when you create realness you realize what isn't real largely a lot of the thoughts you probably have well speaking in journaling dude like i i have found such peace in journaling lately have you done the artist way program no you heard of it what is it artist way the artist way by Julia Cameron. So there's tons of people in the huh? entertainment industry to swear by it. And my mentor, Michael Neal, who coaches a lot of those people, introduced me to it probably four years ago. And I tried it for like a few weeks. And it was super hard because you write three pages longhand every single morning. And, but then finally, like, you know, probably, I don't know, nine months ago or so, I just felt really strongly. Like, you know, I feel God just telling me like, Hey, Justin, you got to do this. Like, you've got to do this. Uh, you got to do this program. And I started and it was amazing. Like writing those three pages longhand really gets a lot of the crazy leprechaun thinking out and it cultivates the inner voice, like all this creativity. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, I, I couldn't recommend, especially for the like 20 bucks or whatever it is on Amazon right now. Um, for the book and the journal is another 20 bucks. It's the cheapest form of therapy, coaching, counseling that you could ever, that you could ever begin to imagine, but it really does. It helps you just kind of get stuff out. And I, I did it for like two sets in a row. So basically for 24 weeks in a row. And then I stopped for two weeks just to take a break from the program. And I noticed an actual difference in my head. Like I honestly noticed a big difference. And I was just a little bit off. Like I just had so much more thinking, so much more, you know, whatever going on in my head. So, you know, I think for you know, all, all your listeners and stuff, like that is so, like that has been so beneficial for me. Like incredible. Cool. Beneficial. I just, I just bought it on Amazon. So I'll report oh, nice, that. Dude. I just did it real quick <laughs> while you were talking. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love I'm, that. You don't, you don't even wait to take action. I mean, you took action like that second. Boom. Proof that's is in the pudding. Like, that's the difference. Like inspiring people to do what they need to do, but then actually doing it. Like that's the only difference in life. That's it. I mean, it's 100% it. And yeah, I mean, I stand by that statement. Action will deliver what you want. Uh, And consistency of action and stubbornness. Like I think my greatest quality is stubbornness Uh, in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. But I just feel like, my whole thing right now is like my goal in life isn't necessarily to be happy because that's a very fleeting emotion. It's more so to be proud of myself. And I get so competitive about that. I get so stubborn about that. It's like, I have to, I have to be proud of myself. And that's been such a great framing for me because so many negative things that lack self-awareness in life that lack mindfulness happen that cause you to not be proud of yourself. So I've like, I'm just set. I have to be proud of myself and everything I do and say. So that's been really big for me. And taking action is step one. I'm not proud of myself when if a week from now, I was like, oh yeah, what was that book? What was it? Ah, I guess whatever, forget it. Like, nah, let's just do it now. Like, what's the holdup? <laughs> so <laughs> for sure. Well, and I love what you just said there about being proud of yourself because we got to be honest, like there's plenty of people, your listeners, my listeners that are, whether it's our parents, whether it's our friends, whoever it is that aren't proud of us. You know, and there was a really cool motto that I adopted years ago. It was by a religious leader of mine that you know, died years ago named Brigham Young. But he said, I care about two opinions in the world, what I think of me 
and what God thinks of me. You know, and regardless of what, you know, anyone thinks, like, you know, even if they're just proud of themselves, like I've adopted that. And it's given me so much more peace because if the inner voice is telling me to do one thing and whether it's, you know, my parents or friends or whatever, telling me to do something else, I probably should listen to the inner voice. But the pressure sometimes is a lot, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a lot sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I love that. I mean, that. I mean, that's it. Ultimately, I mean, again, life is a balance. Like life is a balance of knowing who to listen to and knowing who to not listen to. It's also a balance of who do you prioritize? Do you prioritize yourself and how you feel all the time? Or you prioritize other people? It's a balance. But I would say, I would lean towards yourself though. Like only you know what is meaningful to you and you can be the most amazing, kind, compassionate person in life and you can give and give and give and give. And I think that's phenomenal. I think that's a life of purpose. But if you don't give to yourself and prioritize yourself in some way, it's like, I, I feel I feel a sense of emptiness with that. Like, I think you really do think you need to listen to yourself and what is true and compassionate to you and be able to differentiate between priorities. And that's a lifelong effort. Certainly, that's, that balance is so tough. And I don't think there's any right balance. But I think, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to what do you think of yourself? And then choosing a select few people in your life that also matter a lot and moving with purpose aligned with, with each of those. But that's, that's such a challenge too, especially when you're young and you're growing up and you're evolving. It's like, who do you listen to? Who do you, who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you know? Especially with the internet, it's like, everyone's right. According to the internet. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, where do I even start? Like, I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's so important though. Well, did you talk about purpose? Like, I think that's what makes our lives worth it. And sometimes we're going to have like, our feelings are a barometer of really like, I don't want to say how proud of our, necessarily how proud of ourselves we are, but they're either a feeling that we're like, kind of like the hotter or colder game when we were kids. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. getting hotter. You're getting hotter. Like if I'm feeling cruddy, you know, like yesterday, for example, or the day before I didn't get that much done and I felt bad. So today I just woke up earlier and actually stayed on track. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, we don't we don't have to turn every day into like oh my goodness i'm this terrible horrible person we just have to understand a day is just a day yeah yeah we've got to be kinder to ourselves certainly um yeah i mean hate to keep on the balance trope but life is a balance of having a sense of urgency and a sense of patience like i'm the most impatient person in the world but i also have a lot of patience, it's strange towards like building legacy and like long-term things like that. And I think, yeah, you can have a bad day, but tomorrow's the day you're going to redeem yourself. That's got to be the mentality versus I had a bad day. Tomorrow's going to be another bad day and so on and so forth. And I, and I get when you're stuck in that cycle, cause nothing is going right. I certainly empathize with that. But again, back to what we've been saying, how do you break out of a cycle? You do something different. You break you break out of dishonesty with yourself you sit down and you become honest with yourself so absolutely well dude and if you're willing to share like what's what's a time that was super hard for you that you had to actually fight to get back into life because i think so many people listening they really get to that space and they're like there is no tomorrow like there i just you know i just feel yucky all the time like what, what would you tell them? And like, you know, if, if you can share a, a personal experience of yours or something you've gone through that was just, you know, that helped you and what you did to get back into it. 
Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, definitely some areas of life. I mean, I had I had someone close to me who um, was killed tragically, and that that was a rather dark time. And at the time, that was like right around the same time as my um, that relationship ending, and I was like blindsided. I was broken up with. I came home one day. She had just moved out. Like kind of classic movie stuff with that. But like that was a, that was a dark time. Um, certainly, I always say I definitely have lived a, a privileged life. But like that combination of things was was really was really dark. But for me, honestly the biggest thing that kind of like kept me going was that sense of stubbornness. Like that was like, I, at the time I was writing a lot and I didn't miss a step. I kept writing. I didn't stop at all. It's like tapping into things that you know are healthy for you and refusing to not do them while you're in the midst of something that's negative and dark in your life, I think could literally be the thing that, that saves you. Cause it, it keeps some kinds of, you know, honest, consistency in your life that I think is so important. You know, again, I'm talking about balance. It's important to keep doing the things you're doing that are healthy and that are intentional while also introducing and disrupting old things. So, you know, I mean, for me in my life, it was writing. Like I've just realized how therapeutic writing has been for me. And I think everyone has the ability to, to create actions and habits in their life that fill the same role. But for me, it was, it was refusing to not do those things because I knew it was right. And I knew it was cathartic for me. And, uh, that has been, you know, been everything. I mean, it, it proved all kinds of things to me that I was actually in control in a time where I felt that I wasn't right. My ability to sit down and create something from zero, kind of similar to sitting down and writing three pages in the morning, you could start with nothing and create something while at the same time, everything's on fire. You know, it, it reminds you of certain truths and that's something to be proud of. And I think action is built on being proud of yourself. And, um, yeah, I would say that's an example. Thanks for sharing that, man. Like, as you were talking, I, I pictured almost like a, you know, like there was a forest fire or something, but it kind of passed, you know, and it was moving that way. And somebody just picking up a log every single day, you know, and rebuilding their house. You know, and as you were talking, I was thinking about there was a t like, I remember a particular time that I decided to, you know, to do these. Well, this was the precursor to the 21 minutes a day that I do now but it was just 15 minutes a day and I did it and I just decided I was going to do it starting the next day. And the next day I got totally blindsided by this girl and just, yeah, yeah. You know, it just kind of wrecked. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it anyways. I don't care. And that was how I started like, you know, really making progress in my book. That's how I started making progress in a lot of things, but like you're talking about, man, like more importantly, it was just keeping that consistency. You know, that doing that hour, there was four things that I did, just doing that hour of stuff every day. It's like, you know what? It doesn't matter if the whole rest of the world's on fire. This space right here isn't. And I can, and I can work on what I want to. Because sometimes we think that we just have to, like when, every, like when everything else is going bad, that it's like, oh, I can't work on the things that I want to. But the truth is yeah. when we just show up and we just live like or the, has, the, the slogan for our podcast is called live your adventure because I can't control anybody else's adventure. It's, I can't force anyone else to marry me. Like I wouldn't want to. <laughs> like, and, no, and, and no right person in the right mind would. But it's all about just showing up and doing what we feel guided and what we feel led to do. That's what's going to make us happy. You know, someone that's miserable in a relationship is still going to be miserable. Yeah. I love that. What you said, it's like everything could be on fire, but this space is not. 
And it's like, for me, it's like, I know not everyone's wired like I am, but like, I advocate for being a little competitive, have a little swag. It's like in my head where I'm tempted to have negative thoughts, like, well, this is going to go poorly case. Well, good luck with that. You're not going to get that. Or you shouldn't say that. That's awkward. I've trained myself where I'm like, oh yeah, watch this. Like, that's like the level it's like compassionate competitiveness with yourself. It's like, you're always going to hear those voices. You're always going to have that doubt. I think it's the most powerful thing to train yourself to have your reaction instead of being like, Oh, maybe you're right. Being, Oh yeah. Well, watch this. And then you do the opposite. And like, I don't know for me, like, that's just the way I'm wired. Like I'm like a tough talk kind of guy, like get in my face and yell at me kind of vibe. Like I, not everyone's like that. Totally. Um, but like, I, I instill a sense of that in myself where it's like, I know what's going to happen next, which is I'm going to have doubt. I'm going to try to talk myself out of it. Like it's guaranteed. Like I know what's going to happen. So if I know it's going to happen, how can I train myself to also have a, a balanced thought that is one that hypes me up and be like, Oh yeah, we'll watch this. All right. We'll see. And I don't know, to me, I like that. Cause again, that's something I'm proud of. I'm proud of that fact. And in this space, to your point, I can control what I do. Can't control the outcome. I can't necessarily control my doubting, lingering insecurity, but I can control what I do with it. And I, any anything I've ever done with any insecurity has turned into something better because I I just refuse to quit. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I don't know. No, I, I love that, dude. It's like I love that mentality of watch this. And it's like every other guy, you know, at a party or something's like, oh, nobody could ever go up to that girl. And you're like, watch this. I got this. And, and it kind of it kind of connects with that Van Gogh quote. You know, it's like, you can't do that case. Watch this. Oh, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, and there's something about that, too, that you're just like, that's like, it's like you're fighting against the crazy leprechaun voice. You're kind of like the little, like the Notre Dame fighting Irish guy, like is a little fighting leprechaun. And you're yeah. like, all right, let's, let's go fighting leprechaun. Let's go. Like, yeah. And you're taking him on and you're saying, watch this. Like it's such a better attitude than, oh, you're right. I can't do that. Only important people can do stuff like that. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and I hate that, but like, I get it. I used to be that way. Certainly I used to think, why would anyone want to listen to me talk about mindfulness? Who is this guy? And especially even like my close friends and we're like, they're going to laugh at me. Now it's like, all right, homies, gather around, my friends. Let's let's laugh it up. Let's let's do this. It's like it's it's just a reframing, and it is a choice. Like I empathize with people who have been beaten up and beaten up and trauma and failure, and they're like, "There's no way I can possibly think like that." I totally get that, but I think if you strip yourself of some of that pressure and get to the core of you know why you feel that way, you can reprogram yourself in a sense to be someone who responds to those thoughts with a different emotion it might not be what you and I are describing, which is high energy. Some people might prefer stillness and calm and being like, I see you negative thought. I see you. Okay. I, th I think, you know, there's many schools of thought there, but I think we absolutely all possess the ability to do that. Absolutely. Dude, I don't know if you follow, you were talking about thought. I don't know if you follow Michael Neal. You know, Michael Neal. Yeah. Okay. So, he, you know, he talks about these three principles, mind, consciousness, and thought, you know, and one of those is just understanding, like, it's, it's just thinking, you know, thought is really, it's the snow that creates the snowman, like we can use it for the, the good, or we can use it for the bad. 
you know, and the way I kind of look at it is each of us have almost this like mental train station. We have millions of trains of thoughts going through our head all day long. And we actually don't control our thoughts. It, you know, if I see a pretty girl, I'm going to have certain thoughts. Like that's just, that, that's how we're genetically coded yeah. to, yeah, to yeah, continue sure. the, the human race. I'm not going <laughs> to act on those thoughts, but like that's, that's how we're coded. And so we only pay attention to those things that move us emotionally, positively or negatively. If I'm looking to get something, then I'm going to pay attention to that. My reticular activating system or whatever it's called is going to be more adept to that. You know, it's yep. like behind me, the wall is white or gray or whatever color it is. And, and nobody's going to really care about that. But if I have a bunch of clowns on that wall back there, you better believe if somebody's scared of clowns, they're going to notice. Yeah. And they're like, whoa. And, and that's all they're going to focus on. And so the yeah. same with us, when we just understand, oh, why am I having this thought? And one of the areas we've started to do a little bit of work in is like suicide, for example. And some people are like, oh my goodness, I'm a good person. Why am I having suicidal thoughts? And it's like, well, because you're human. And sometimes we feel that it would be easier not to be here. And, but, but, they're, but they kind of go deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole instead of just simply acknowledging, oh, well, cool. There's, there's that thought that I'd rather not be here. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here anyway, and I'm going to make it awesome. You know, kind of like you were saying, watch this. Yeah, this. that's powerful. I mean, it's like if you're looking for proof that you're less or insecure or whatever, you're, you're, you'll find it easily. It's like, don't think of a yellow car. Nope. There it is. You're like, like, we can find proof of anything. But if you expect that thought, if you expect an irrational thought and you leave it at that, and you realize that it's normal, for one, you're not some strange, insecure, unlovable person for having a thought like that, we could check ourselves and prevent ourselves from getting the next, to the next step, which is looking for actively searching for proof that supports that. And I think when you do that, you break the chain of logic that convinces you of any negative thought or conclusion you might have about yourself. Again, easier said than done, but breaking it down in the sense that we've been describing, it, it helps you know, in, incredibly with that. When you talk about breaking it down, I, I almost pictured like a house of cards because it's all, it's all built on a thought-created reality. So if you take out one of the cards, like you were saying, one of the chains and the link, most of the house falls because it doesn't even exist. It's just this thought-created reality that we've adapted. You know, and, and I even think about the, uh, you know, that story of like which wolf, like there's a, which wolf gets a, uh, there's a hungry wolf. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? The wolf thing. Mm. Uh, it, it's like, there's two wolves, which one gets better. So like, you know, kind of like we're talking about, there's the, the weak wolf or there's, I mean, if anybody looks up on Google, they'll, they'll, they'll know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. but, but whatever wolf that we feed, that's the one that grows. You know, like, so if we feed the doubt, if we feed the insecurity, if we feed the frustration, if I look at a girl and think, oh my goodness, she'd never go out with me. There's a good chance she's never going to go out with me. But then again, when, you know, when I've been on my game and just not even on my game, just walking up to like one of the prettiest girls in a place and she actually turned out to be like a, anyways, super, super attractive girl. We had a really awesome time together. Like, yeah. and she was so open to, you know, dance and just have a good time. And, and it was a really good time. And I think so often we leave these experiences on the table because we're like, oh, no, I can't do this. She's not going to take me. 
it's almost like the Marianne Williamson quote a little bit of just, are you familiar with that one? Our deepest fear is not that you're powerful. Our deepest fear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, you know, it's a little bit like that. of just, well, when we step in, like everything gets better. Yeah. When we yeah. just show up and because doubt and fear can't live in the same mind as, you know, faith and, and like just confidence. You yeah. Know? There's not enough room in there, man. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I love that. I love conversations like that because everything that you just described that we've been chatting about is is largely under our control. There will be things that aren't under our control that will put a lot of coercion in our minds to make us stop thinking in a certain way. But ultimately, it comes back to us, and it comes back to the story we tell ourselves. I do. I talk a lot about manifestation and things like that. It's not about picturing what you want. It's not about putting together a, a vision board, although those are certain elements of it. It's about the story you tell yourself. It's about the reality that you describe. Is the reality that you believe in have room for what you want? No? Well, then how do you expect to get it? You have to change the story you tell yourself that will allow you then to take action within it and get what you want. So these are all just words. Word The words that you use to describe yourself, the sentences you use to describe the reality you live in, versus the reality you want to live in and then bringing them together in a way that gives you room to do what you want to do and, you know, receive the outcomes that you deserve to receive. Well, and you talk about life story, like, you know, one of the things that's been super helpful for me, like I create like at a certain point in the year, I create a new life story. So it's where I want my life story to be a year from now. And then I read that every single day. And then magically, those things start to happen. <laughs> Imagine that. I know, right? I mean, it's, it's just this like, and it's a very like long form bunch of paragraphs and very specific things, you know, about where I want my relationship and business and podcast and coaching and everything else to be. And then those things just start to happen because we're told so many stories by so many people that we need to remind ourselves every day, no, 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 it doesn't matter what anyone's story for me is. This is my story because one of the things I say is I am the God of my own world. By my word is my world created. So all those words is how I'm creating my world. Almost in a very straight. I don't know I if you have, that. Do you have nieces or nephews? Uh, not, no, no. No, okay. So there's a, there's a show called, called Word World. And everything is actually literally built out of words. And so that just kind of came to my mind. I love that. I love that. I'm so, I love that. The words. I mean, that's it. I love that so much because they're so powerful and we don't realize that and we can create them. So I, I think that's phenomenal. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I get hung up on things that I love. And I'm like, that's great. Okay. Cool. I love that. That's awesome, man. Well, you know, like as we live into the world that we desire to create, that's what happens. Like that is the literal world that we begin to create. And, you know, I know we're, we're, we're coming up on time here. And so case, like, first of all, you know, thank, thank you so much. And I just want to give you a chance to, you know, share with the listeners how they can, how they can follow you, how they can get in touch with you, how they can listen to your podcast. And I know you also have merch and stuff. So how they can, how they can find that stuff too. Yeah. Well, right on, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is, this is a great conversation. I love the enthusiasm. I also love talking to another man. It's like, I talk to a lot of women and that's great, but it's like, you know, it's just different. So I, I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just case.kenny on Instagram. I host a podcast called new mindset, who dis new mindset, who dis.com. I sell a series of journals um, that might be helpful for people, but it's pretty much it. You know, I love to read. 
I love to write. I love to share my thoughts on the podcast and, you know, I'm privileged to be able to do it. So thank you for having me. Well, thanks so much, Case. Appreciate it. Now, if you've made it to this point in the podcast, I'd like to invite you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. I don't know how you got here, but that way, if you ever want to get back here again, it's right there for you in your subscriptions. And if you haven't already joined us, one of the really cool things that I do that's free for anyone that would like to participate is each Monday morning at 10 a.m. Arizona time, I host a group coaching call for Happy and Single. Anyone is welcome to come on, and you can even receive a little bit of one-on-one coaching time with me, depending on how many people are in the call. Now, every now and then that schedule changes, so you can go to the website Happy nsingle.com to be able to look at the schedule and also to be able to find the link to the Zoom room. Now at the same time, if you would prefer a more one-on-one type of coaching experience where you can sit down and share your hopes and dreams and, and just kind of the stuff going on in your world, then there's another option available for you as well. Now, the bulk of my business is actually doing one-on-one coaching. If that's something you're interested in exploring, I've got a few spots open in my coaching practice. You can just message me on Instagram at the It's Possible Guy, and we can sit down and have a chat. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. I've worked with people across the world. I do everything over Zoom, so it actually makes it pretty easy. Thank you guys so much again for listening. And go out and live your adventure. Thank you.